Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SU Chief of Staff. And while we are excited today to introduce our guest for today's show, Clay Scroggins. Clay is a speaker with over 20 years of experience in organizational leadership, is a best-selling author, served in several pastoral roles at North Point Ministries, and most recently served as the lead pastor of Buckhead Church. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia with his wife, Jenny, and their five children. It is so great to have you, an honor to have you with us today. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. And I got to say, everybody warned me. They were like, did you know Kent's background? I was like, I, I don't. They're like, he's voice of the Lakers. <laughs> Kent, dude, your voice, God has given you this yeah. like silky, smooth, buttery. Uh, it's uh. like a, it's like one of those blankets that you plug into the wall and heats up. You know, it's, right. uh, it's amazing. Well, anyway, yeah, Michael Kent, thanks for having me. Oh man! Now, through your position at uh, Buckhead Church, you obviously provided um, a lot of visionary and directional leadership for the church staff and congregation. How did you work your way up to serving in in that kind of role and and capacity, and tell us a little bit about how you discovered your calling and and the journey you've been on. Sure, uh, I was uh, actually born in Jacksonville, Florida, so I, uh, I don't consider myself a Floridian. But since I've been down here the last day, I've been like, want to claim it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Uh, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Moved to Atlanta to go to college. I was an, an engineering student at Georgia Tech, and while I was in college. Uh, I got involved with North Point Community Church. Uh, Andy Stanley was the uh, is was uh, he founded it with a number of other people and was the uh, speaking every Sunday. And I just had never heard somebody teach like that. Mm. So that was my um, I don't know. And, and, and meanwhile, I'm studying engineering, and I feel like God was making it clear in numerous ways that this is not what you need to be doing. Mm. But I'm doing all this volunteer work at a church, which I mean, I would just say to anybody who's in college right now. The more you can get plugged into a church, right. uh, it actually is going to help you professionally in so many different Absolutely. ways because the people I met, but also the experience that I gained, I felt like I was further ahead in some ways than some of my classmates on at least knowing what is it that I think I want to do mm -hmm. and how is it that God has gifted me. I feel like I realized some of the uh, gifts that God had given me, some of the potential, some of the things I didn't want to do right. through all of that experience. So graduate from college, uh, go to Georgia, uh, after Georgia Tech, moved to Dallas, Texas to go to seminary. I uh, was there to study theology, but actually met this girl there, ended up studying her. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> met my wife. You got your PhD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Right. Yeah, it's good. Exactly right. Love and uh, we met, got married. Uh, we both graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. So um, she was from Tyler, Texas. Is from Tyler, Texas. She had never lived outside of Texas. Mm. And so moving to Atlanta was a... That was a pretty big deal. Those Texas yeah. people, yeah, they love Texas. And I love that oh, as sure. you're talking about, you know, the power of getting involved into community, especially right after mm -hmm. you graduate. Talk to us a little bit about what what are some strategies? How can students be thinking about they're moving into new cities? How do they find churches? How do they find these communities? What would you give? What advice would you give them in those kind of situations? Well, give yourself some space for sure. You know, I think if, if you're in your first semester, give yourself some space to do some shopping, check some places out yeah. for sure. But I'll tell you what did it for me, or what the, the big moment for me. I, I've got this cousin who lives uh, just on the other side of the state of Florida in West Palm. Jimmy Scroggins is a pastor yeah. at Family yeah. Church, and I'll never forget. I was telling Jimmy about it. I was uh, it was it was Christmas break after my first semester in college and I was like man Jimmy I found this church I'm loving it like a bunch of guys will get in the car on Sunday and drive up I mean it's like a 20 minute drive so it was not that close but um, I was loving it and he said are you doing anything there and I was like no he said all right listen you need to get involved mm -hmm. to the point where when you're not there someone knows you're not there mm -hmm. yeah that's good and that 
stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, I was like, ah, that's good. So I would just say, whatever you're doing, don't just attend a church. Don't mm. just go to a church, but engage in a church. Yeah. Do something there. And it could be anything. I mean, there's something, you know, I mean, churches specialize in yep. taking all kinds of people and saying, hey, let us right, help right. you figure mm-hmm. out what your role could be exactly. in the community of God. And so I would definitely get involved to the point where when you're not there, Right. Someone knows you're not there. But what? Are, how does a student know that this is the right? Like, how how would a student know, or anybody in that career, this this is the right church to start investing in at that in that level versus shopping around? Like, what are some of the things they should be looking for? Is no, like, hey, good. this is kind of a good spot to put down some roots. I mean, you you remember uh, experiencing God that Henry Blackman yeah, study? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. probably. I don't know, 1995 or something. I mean, it was incredibly impactful, but I'll never forget doing it. I I was in high school when I did it. And the the concept of it was, hey, most people are going, here's what I want to do. God, come get involved. But the right question is, God, where are you involved? God, Mm -hmm. where are you at work? And then I want to go join that. So I think, you know, I, I don't know if I... Without experiencing God, I don't know that I would have had that language. And even as I was choosing or picking a church, I don't know that I was thinking about that language, but that had been ingrained in me. And so I saw the activity of God. I saw that people were showing up on Sunday, that there was an energy, that there was someone who was teaching the Bible that was theologically based mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that was honoring God and also honoring the intent of the scriptures. And uh, and they were uh, mobilizing people to serve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know, that's one of the beauties of growing churches is growing churches have a lot of need right. for people to serve. So I would find somewhere where there's an opportunity for you to serve, mm-hmm. where you feel like there's an energy, where mm-hmm. they um, are opening up God's Word and connecting people to each other. Uh, and then when you find a place like that, yep. yeah, plug yeah. in. Yeah. Love it. Uh, get involved. Dig in deep. You know, you talk a lot about a, a concept, uh, authority deprivation. Uh, when you're, you, you, you aren't at the top of the ladder and you fall into that kind of void of, of not being what, not being good enough. Uh, tell us about the personal challenges that maybe you face with this concept, not having uh, command or, or power that superiors did. And when did you first experience that and how did you get unstuck? Yeah, uh, I was... Uh, Let's see, it was the summer after my, so I, I get involved with this church. Um, I went and volunteered to be a, I wanted to be a high school mm-hmm. volunteer, which was a, in some ways challenging because I was, I was 18 mm-hmm. and I wanted to turn around and help people that were just a couple years behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, as I did that, I, I started falling in love with this church, started realizing, wow, this is, I'm, I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to intern at the church that summer. They only had one, you know, student intern and I ended up not getting that job and I got a job working in, on the facilities team mm-hmm. and which was humbling and you know not exactly yeah. what uh what I was hoping for but you know to the, the way God works if you're willing to shovel the 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 hard stuff right. if you're willing right. to shovel the, yeah. the dung yeah. so to speak yep. usually that is a pathway for God to give you more opportunity I didn't yeah. I didn't know that at the time that's not what I was doing at yeah. the time but I um beginning as a as an intern <laughs> on the facilities team I call myself an intern they didn't call themselves yeah. you're just a contractor <laughs> an hourly wage yeah. person but I um I, I from then on out I just quickly learned oh there is a lie in leadership there's a lie that I'm believing mm-hmm. in leadership uh, the lie is is that if I could just be in charge of more, then I will be a better leader. Mm. So I saw it as a, you know, I would have thoughts about the Mm -hmm. way we were stacking the chairs. And I thought, well, if I could just lead the facilities team, then I would be able to 
actually leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I became a youth ministry kind of a just a you know an intern or I was an associate, mm-hmm. and then I became a student pastor over a campus, and then a bigger campus, and then I became a campus pastor at one of our campuses, and then a campus pastor at a bigger campus, and in every one of those moves, I had that um, that dismay, that letdown of mm-hmm. oh now I'm in charge of more. But that doesn't mean I'm any more of a leader because what I mm. found in all of that was the myth, the, I think it's one of the most dangerous myths of leadership is that if you want to lead, you got to go be in charge. Mm. And if you're yeah. not in charge, yeah. right. go get in charge yeah. and then you can lead. But right. the truth is that leadership's not about authority, that right. all of us are going to be, have an authority deprivation right. at every level, right. no, no matter whether you're the CEO, the president, mm-hmm. on the board, middle-level manager, associate, student pastor, mm-hmm. intern, there's always more authority you could have, right? and that's okay because authority is not what makes leadership. Right, right, it's yeah. really about influence. Well, and I think yeah. it ties back to you know the, that idea that leadership is influence, right? That's, that's kind of what everybody's taught, what we're pushed in there, that if you want to be a leader, you have to have influence, but at the end of the day, you can have all the influence in the world, but if you don't know what to do with it, no, then great. you're not really a leader, right? Yeah, and great. so this is a, this idea that leadership is not just influence, it's also decision-making. How yeah. well can you make? And so you can have people that don't have a lot of influence are still fantastic leaders because they know what to do with the little they have. It's that kind of parables of the talents there. Yeah, and I I would just caution anybody who's in their first job or, you know, maybe you're right out of college and you're not feeling fulfilled or you're yeah. feeling like, man, I, I thought this mm. was going to be more. Because, you know, when you're one, one of the beauties of uh, youth is that you're a dreamer, you know, mm-hmm. and you think like, here's how I want to change the world. Right. This is the way I see the world. And, and it's not wrong. That's actually a good thing. God put that inside of you. But I would focus less on how can I get more authority and focus more on how can I cultivate more of a more of an ability to move the room mm, or to yeah. influence my boss or right. to encourage my boss or right. to have a great relationship with the department next to me to the point where they're getting my opinion about how things should move forward. I think if that can be your focus, which is really more about what am I learning, sure. uh, mm-hmm. how am I growing, I think it's a much better pursuit than mm-hmm. how can I get a bigger position, a bigger title, how can I make yeah. more money. What do you think is the key for a student to shift their mindset to have that kind of appreciation for where they're at? Well, number one, you got to get rid of the myth. You got to right. get rid of the lie. Right. So you got to quit believing that if I could just be in charge of more, I would be a better leader. Mm-hmm. I would start there. But um, 2000, I guess it was 2017, mm-hmm. I released a book through Zondervan. The title of it was How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Yep. And uh, the crux of it was really these four big ideas of four things that it, you know, and this is what was so challenging for mm-hmm. me is I was like, this feels like my memoir, you know, mm-hmm. which I was too young to write a memoir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, I've never intended to write a memoir. Yeah. But it was really my own journey. It was, hey, I, here's what I'm doing mm-hmm. to try to figure out how to cultivate more influence. How do yeah. I become the kind of leader that has influence, whether I'm in charge or not? And the hope mm-hmm. was that somebody might read this and that God could drop them into any position at any level in any organization, and they would be able to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all want. So the four things are, how do, how do I lead myself better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is where leadership really does start. It's our primary responsibility of leadership. How do I choose positivity, which yep. is all about the attitude you mm-hmm. bring? Yep. Uh, no one can no one can change that for you. You mm-hmm. have to decide right. to do it. And then number three, how do I think critically? How do I get get better at the skill 
of bringing value mm. to the team that I'm working on. Yeah. And then the last one is not something that you do, but it's something you have to reject or something you have to uh, hold off in a sense. But uh, how, how can I reject passivity? Right. Because when you're not in charge, uh, that is the greatest thing that wants to get inside of you yeah. is passivity because you think, well, I'm not the decision maker. That's mm. my boss's job. Yep. That's their that's their department. Yep. And you just throw your hands up or sit on your hands and you get real passive. And great leaders, uh, great leaders are not passive people. Yeah. Great right. leaders are intentional and active and yep. looking for ways to solve problems, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's not in your department or under your right. jurisdiction. Right. Yeah. Well, you talk all the time about the discipline of self, self-awareness self specifically, how crucial that is to yeah. leadership. And what are some of the things we tell students here on campus about that? Yeah. I mean, if you, again, if you begin to understand your, we use the phrase divine design, you begin to understand how you're wired, um, mm-hmm. you know, your gifts, your abilities, your experiences, your passions, you begin to uh, assimilate those together, then you become contagious in who you are, mm-hmm. no matter what role you serve in. And God uses you in a significant way to bring influence, to bring change, to bring transformation. And a lot of times you see these youth, they want to they pursue the platform, mm. pursue you and how God made you, mm-hmm. and then watch God lead you on that journey. So we, yeah, that's something we try to, you know, in fact, we created a whole course, yep. SU 101. Which mm-hmm. is foundational to w- who we are and what we're about, in, yeah. in terms of discovering and continuing to develop your divine design, which well, is so I, good. Yeah. So I, I love the term divine design, and I, I love that example of desiring the platform. And the platform yeah. might look different. Obviously, it might be bigger, sure. bigger mm-hmm. platform on social media, right. or it right. might be an right. actual platform. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the root of self awareness. I mean, Kent, if you were, you know, if when I was 24, 23, the way I would have wished I would have applied that, because I felt that in me. Mm-hmm. Sure. I wish I would have dug deep sooner to try to figure out why, why, mm-hmm. why do you want that? Right. Yeah. What about that? Do and, and and some of it's good. It's not all bad. I mean, it's not right. throwing out any sense of ambition. But if it's this, the more the quick the quicker I would have been able to root out the because it will give me a sense of worth yeah. or right. it will yeah. substantiate me as a right. human. The better I would have been, the yeah. the better able I would have been to even be able to handle some of the opportunities that well, God yeah. did give me. And I think about the story of David, right? So David's two big gifts that God gave him, right, is how to kill things in the wild and play a harp, right? And you look at through his whole life story, those two things are what continually open the door for him. And then when did he get in trouble? Is when he stopped living in that gift, right? Mm-hmm. When instead of going out to war when he was supposed to, which is what his gifting was, is what God had blessed him all the way from the time he was a kid, the minute you start stepping out of that gift to try and be something else, that's where everything goes to crap. And it doesn't matter where you are on the org chart. Mm. As long as you keep lifting in the calling and the giftings that God has given you, um, that's all he's asked us to do. And from there, that's where your influence and your platform begins to grow. And the hero, to me, the hero in that story is the role that Nathan played in his yes. life. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, I'll tell you, the, um, when I was, this was an early 20s decision that I didn't necessarily make, but a friend of mine pursued me and said, hey, um, I want to have lifelong friendships. And I know this seems weird, mm-hmm. but I'm asking you, can we start now developing that kind of friendship? Yeah. 
and we met together. I mean, we would meet early in the morning. We did it weekly for a long time. Then it became bi-weekly. And mm -hmm. then we did things on the phone and left each other voicemails. And it was there was actually three of us. And those guys, I mean, even in the uh, most recent season that's been significant for us, I uh, about almost a mm -hmm. year ago now resigned from my job. Right. And these were guys that came and honestly, I call it an intervention. Right. There was nothing massively wrong in my life there it wasn't a big moral failure but they were they just knew you don't seem alive yeah. you don't seem mm. like you are living in the calling mm. of what you're best at and what god put you on the earth for and we just want to know what's your vision and what are mm -hmm. you doing about it mm -hmm. and th you know in a sense it was their nathan moment for, for right. me you know yeah. and uh it was gosh i mean just massively impactful for my life i mean it changed the trajectory of my life for sure mm -hmm. because i had friends that love me enough to hold up a mirror and say hey we just want to let you know this is the way we see you, this is the way we believe in you, and we want to help you figure out what to do about it. Yeah, so good. A couple of more questions before we close uh, and, and go into our fire round. You, you recently or you wrote a book about how to lead in a world of distraction. Um, talk to us a little bit about how, how leaders can, can turn down the noise and the and, and kind of focus in on goals and aspirations without letting things really like social media mm -hmm. just kind of come in and bombard our lives and and interfere really well the challenge with distractions it's not the distraction that's the challenge the problem is what we miss mm -hmm. the problem is what's on the other side and you all have seen that you've seen it more than anyone mm -hmm. else because of the generation that you work with yeah. but and it's not just 20-year-olds that are experienced. It's 40-year-olds, 6-year-olds, 8-year-olds. I mean, when I'm around my friend's parents, you know, I've, I've got, I had mm -hmm. a buddy call me a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey, my parents just came and visited me. Is it weird that I wanted to get, put screen time restrictions on my parents? <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. He was like, my parents just sat around on their iPad, like in, on Facebook the entire time. And I was like, who, who are you talking to? Like, why, why not be present with your right. grandkids and with your kids here? But this is a problem for all of us. Yeah. That, that, that the distraction of technology, the distraction of work, the distraction mm. of ministry, the distract. I mean, it, honestly, everything can be a drug. Right. We keep our fingers on the dial of it. And honestly, what what we're, what we're distracting ourselves from most are the things in our life that we don't want to deal with, the mm. things in our heart, the things in our soul that we don't want to deal with, that we just, it would be easier to mask them. So for leaders, the question is exactly as you posed it, Kent, how do leaders turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious mm. of what's going on inside of them? Because the best leaders are the most healthy leaders. I mean, I mm. love what you said about emotional awareness a few minutes ago, that the best thing a leader can do is how can I become more emotionally aware of what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, right. not right. be whipped around by those emotions? Yep. How can I be empathetic toward what other people are feeling so that I can help lead them better? And the, the enemy of all that is distraction yeah. because we're all susceptible to turn the noise up when mm -hmm. we don't want to deal with what it is we don't want to feel. So the best way to do it is to apply all the amazing and difficult spiritual disciplines that right. God right. has given us, yeah. like fasting and Sabbath and right. meditation and solitude and mm -hmm. silence and the voice that is inside of our head yeah. most. Mm -hmm. So learning how to turn, learning how to install those rhythms in our life, mm -hmm. they become the thing that keeps our soul healthy. Yeah. You know, when mm -hmm. Jesus said the pure in heart will see God, mm -hmm. 
I think that is how we keep yeah. our heart in a pure place. It's fun you bring up Sabbath and um, and silence, especially in the context of social media. I was having a conversation with with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and we were going back and forth. He's a, he's big into cryptocurrency, and he's like, you know, we just need to really help people understand like a, a theology of work. Like they just need to like work more. They need to get into it. And I'm like, well. The Bible talks about work, but it also talks about rest, right? And so we live in this society where I feel like we're at the crux of, you know, really this industrial corporate resolution. We're working more now than we ever have before Mm -hmm. as a society because we're always on. And the answer is this ancient solution of rest, of taking time off, of stopping everything like that. How would you encourage students, even at the beginning of their careers, right, where they feel like maybe I should hustle, put a little extra time in to accomplish the goals, how can they incorporate that rest, that silence in their day-to-day life? Well, you brought up what um, what I would refer to as great tensions, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, those aren't problems to solve. The answer is not, yeah. do I just rest or do I just work? I mean, the answer yeah. is, well, you do both. Work hard. Work yeah. as hard as you can work. Yeah. But make sure that you have a rhythm. Make sure that you have, that you have installed some kind of weekly practice yeah. of Sabbath, that, that you would take a Sabbath from technology, you'd take a Sabbath from work, you would mm-hmm. take a Sabbath even uh, from all of your own uh, dreams about the future, just right. to be able to be present. This is what prayer is, but it's mm-hmm. the ability to do what Jesus said, to be able to close the door in secret and pray to your Father who is in secret. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, He will reward you, is what Matthew 6 says. Yeah. So it's I think it's those practices... Uh, that it, you're so right, Michael, that it's not something that you wait until life gets busy to install. Right. And I mean, that's like waiting for the storm yeah. when you're in the middle of it. No, you install, you put them in your life now. And here's the problem. They will never feel urgent. Right. But if you can begin those habits now, you are, what does James Clear say in Atomic Habits? You are making a vote. You are casting a vote for the kind of person you want to become, right. which I think is a brilliant line. Mm-hmm. That every habit that you put in your life is a vote mm-hmm. for the kind of person that you want to become. Right. And so that's where I would begin, as mm-hmm. I would say, the place to begin is right now, yep. right where you are. Yep. Oh, Love that's it. That's great. Well, we want to move into our fire round, ask you a few questions surrounding kind of everything we've discussed. And again, you can just answer with your gut like you always do, but we just want to grab a few practical uh, and applicable pieces of advice for those that are listening in. So Michael, you can fire the first one. I think we'll just do three questions. Love it. Love it. Okay. So first question, what's the number one key to becoming a leader of influence? Wake up earlier. There you <laughs> That's go. Great. Love it. Uh, we talked about self awareness, uh, self discipline, self management. How do you daily uh, build that into your life? The linchpin for me is reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I know that seems like, oh, well, you're a pastor, you're supposed to say that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, every man or woman over the age of 50, 60, 70 that I respect, if you ask them, what is the secret to becoming the kind of Jesus follower that you have become, they will tell you it was this daily discipline of reading the Bible. And it's like one of those linchpin habits where when you do it, it kind of unlocks the door to a lot of other things. Yeah, that's good. Love it, love it. Last question. If you could go give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? I would say that the person you pick to partner up your life with is the most important decision Yeah. beside the decision you make to follow Jesus is by far 
the most dis- important mm-hmm. decision of your life. Yeah. Uh, again, the season I've just gone through with this, deciding to resign from what is my dream job. My wife has been the most incredible advocate for me yeah, and wise sounding board for me. Yep. And I just think, good gosh, what, where would my life be if mm-hmm. I had not married someone this amazing? So yeah, I love it. Just do not overlook the importance of that decision. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. so good. Well, Clay, man, what a privilege to have you on the podcast today. Hey, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Love Great, grateful for your insight and wisdom. If you want to stay up to date with Clay, you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Clay Scroggins. Uh, Michael? Yep. And for more leadership content, you can check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Engel, uh, at Dr. Michael Steiner, or on Twitter at Kent Engel. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Get leadership content right to your YouTube feed. You can also visit our website, KentEngel.com. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter for free leadership content straight sent straight to your inbox. Thanks so much for listening to Framework Leadership, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.